And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter per usual. What's up, everybody? This is Nick from P2W Fantasy, and I have not one, not two, but three returning guests to the the podcast. So somehow convinced all three of these guys to come back to the show. How I did that, not entirely sure. But um, I do want to make sure that before we talk about anything football-related on this podcast, that I go guy to guy, uh, introduce who, who they are. I'm sure most people who view the show know all three of these guys, but um, I want to make sure that they get a chance to introduce themselves and talk a, a little bit about what they got going on um, in the in the fantasy space here. So uh, we'll start to my uh, my left or right, however you're looking at the screen. Uh, I got Amar. So Amar came on the show. Here's a quick glimpse of our uh, <laughs> April 27th. We talked uh, dynasty advice in the NFL draft. Um, Amar, you got Rotoviz. You have four for four football, which is new. Uh, you're writing for both. I know you're, you're very busy. You got, you got some clothing brand stuff going on too. We were talking about beforehand too. So uh, can, can you just let everybody know where to find you on social media and also what you got going on, man? So uh, my Twitter handle is at the bottom where uh, Nick put it. A-M-R-G-A-B-R. <clears throat> my phone name. Um, actually, A, just because someone else had my Twitter name. I mean, had my real name, which I don't know how, but whatever. We're going with it. <laughs> but I had to add A because I get a Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, as Nick said, I'm running for rotaviz.com right now. Um, got some articles coming out. Um, little name drop CD Lamb article coming out. It's going to give the people wild, going wild. Got some 4-4 content coming out as well, player profiles. Um, find me on Twitter, as I said, and then find me at those websites to uh, read my articles. Absolutely, and appreciate you again coming back on the podcast. And we'll go to a person right below me. We have John back on the show. We got another another shot here. February sixteenth, we talked about a, a rookie preview pod. Uh, John always super active on uh, on Twitter in the space here. Uh, you write for Deadspin, and what's cool is John and I are going to link up in person for a live draft uh, this this summer. So I'm excited about that. So John. Thanks for coming back to the show, man. Can you remind everybody? And I'll, I'll take this off so you can actually see your, <laughs> your your Twitter handle there, where we can find you just for those that are listening on you know, Apple and all that stuff, and then what you got going on, man. Yeah, uh, you pretty much hit all of it. I'm on Twitter at John Helmkamp. I'm a staff writer with Deadspin.com. I write pretty much everything sports slash sports adjacent over there. I mean, today I wrote an article about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and yesterday I was writing an article about Bryson DeChambeau falling apart on Sunday. So I, I write about whatever. Um, but there will be more football content over there as football season continues to ramp up through the summer months and all that good stuff. Uh, Twitter is my, probably my primary source of you know engaging and providing fantasy information at this point. So feel free to hit me up there. DMs are always open to talk, you know, trades or rosters or rookies or whatever it is you want to gap about. So feel free to uh, take me up over there. Absolutely. And I do appreciate everybody in the, in the, in the chat and everybody watching live right now. Uh, and our final guest on the podcast here, got my final screenshot as well. I got, got Mike back, uh, back January 19th. We were talking fantasy fact or fiction with some other great uh, people on that show. So Mike, you got the, the aging cooler blog. I saw, I saw the, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Was it Hardball? There was a there was an article written written on that on there. Um, some other interesting content there. Uh, another guy is super active on on Twitter, and uh, you have good opinions, but also I, I I like the way you stir things up sometimes, and I get uh, I, I get cracked up from that. So, uh, Mike, can you remind everybody where to find you on social media, and then uh, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Yeah, so you can find me at Daddy's Home FF. Uh, just your 
run-of-the-mill troll account at this point, just messing around with people, having fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's what I do. Um, Agent Cooler with uh, with Sal Pal, CD Carter, and Cooter Doodle. Uh, that that's more mm-hmm. of a of a fun site where we kind of throw out our ideas. Uh, and more recently, what's been taking up my time is uh, helping uh, Spaceman Dave Wright, uh, Sal Lito, and the Funhouse crew with the sponsorships around the Potathon. So doing a lot of behind the scenes work for them, getting ready for a great show uh, starting July fifth, uh, nine a.m. I believe is the kickoff, and uh, you'll be able to see my smiling face from eight thirty to nine on july 6th to uh to close the show uh so we have some really cool stuff happening actually today just got a trophy smack named as our primary sponsor nice. so pretty dope nice. stuff there um we'll be focusing some original music from folks in the fantasy community we got some uh, video content from bob gilchrist and the uh avi makers putting them all together it, it should be an awesome show so that that's really what's taking up most of my time lately it definitely sounds like a lot. And again, appreciate all three of you guys coming on the podcast at the same time because I know all three of you guys are busy and have a lot going on. And it sounds like there's a lot to look forward to from all three. Um, I do want to say before we get into any fantasy football talk that this this podcast is partnered with Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, I say it every week. It's my one-stop shop for everything fantasy-related, advanced stats. They have articles, DFS content, rankings, podcasts, you name it. It is all in one spot, so definitely go check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. You can get a promo code discount using 21WIN10. All right, so what the four of us have going on today is I'm going to host it, and I'm going to ask these guys some maybe some tough questions about would they prefer player A, or player B for the 2021 season. So I have some matchups lined up um, that I I would say might be close for some people. Maybe to these guys, it's not super close. But uh, we're doing this in preparation for people who are going to enter some redrafts soon. People who are kind of juggling in their their home leagues, maybe. You know, this should be a draft target. This should be a a trade target. Things like that. So uh, we'll weigh some guys out here um, right after this video. I feel what I can't forgive. I go all in. This time, yeah, I won't regret. I'll pick the best on trip. They don't understand. I play the win. Yeah, I play the win. I play the win. Yeah, yeah, I play the win. I play the win. Oh, play the win. I play the win. Yeah, yeah, I play the win. I play the win. All right. So. The, the first matchup, yeah, I, 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 I think last time, I'm not sure about all you guys, but I think last time, maybe at least one of you guys were on, I had a, a little baby in uh, on the, the intro, and then I found out from Twitter that I can't play those things because I don't own uh, the rights to his music, so I had to switch things up and get a, a, a home friend friend to do that. Um, but yeah, let's... Uh, That's good stuff. Hey, appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, it's not me, it's not me. I, I can pretend it is, but it's not me. Um so the first matchup we got going on, let's start with the running back position. So again, I'm going to ask these guys one by one, who do they prefer in 2021? Player A or player B? And the first matchup I have right now is Najee Harris and Cam Akers. So just very quick notes, Najee Harris, 24th overall pick from Alabama to the Steelers. Cam Akers, he rushed the ball for 625 yards, 
his rookie season, two rushing touchdowns, 11 receptions, and a, a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, he really caught fire towards the, the end of the, uh, the fantasy uh, playoffs as well as the actual NFL playoffs. So I, I looked at, since we're partnered up with Fantasy Points here, I looked at where they rank these two for 2021, and they have them ranked 9 and 10. Najee 9, Cam Akers 10 for overall for the running back position. But that doesn't mean that's how you guys view it. So we'll start with Damar. If if you were choosing between Najee Harris or Cam Akers in 2021, who, who's your guy? So um, I did a lot of research about this, and this is really interesting. Okay, so I'm basically going to just talk about Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon Bell was a Pittsburgh Steelers in 2013. It was a rookie, 2014, 2015, 2016, um, 2017, and then he left in 2018. But basically, in 2013, he saw um, 66 targets. And then 2014, 105 targets. In 2015, he only played six games, but he saw 26 targets. In 2016, he saw 94 targets. So basically what I'm saying is the Pittsburgh Ben, ben Arsberger likes target running backs, essentially. So if, if the market essentially is basically saying that they believe the Steelers um, are going to go to more of a run-heavy uh, short game, um, it, will, it will affect essentially Deontay, Clay, Poole, and Juju. So essentially what I'm saying is if we're if the market is essentially believing that Najee Harris it's going to become the focal point. Big Ben, as game, we're going to take a step back. They're going to rely on the defense. I feel like we should be going after Najee Harris because he'll get more of a work cut, workhorse role than essentially Cam Akers, who has Daryl Henderson there. Um, we don't know if Sean McVay will go no more. Passing running to the attack with Matt Stafford there. Um, he's still got the weapons of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. So essentially, I feel like I feel like Najee Harris will be more of a focal point of the offense versus Cam Akers. All right, so we'll throw the graphic up. Forgot about that. Uh, Amar is going with Najee Harris, uh, the incoming rookie. Mike, if we go to you, do you agree or, or disagree with Amar? Uh, this one's tough. I think out of all the ones you threw us, this one's probably the hardest. So the way I was weighing it is pretty simple, right? So you're talking about a known entity in the NFL with Cam Akers. have already done it, not to mention put up his biggest numbers on the biggest stage when he got to the playoffs. What we found was come December – the Rams just leaned on this guy as a focal point of the offense. However, a lot's changed since then, right? I mean, specifically quarterback position. The thing that scares me about Akers is that there's such a small margin of error. Uh, he's very similar like the Josh Jacobs and a Nick Chubb, where really he's almost a zero in the passing game. Uh, that makes me nervous, and I don't think that's going to change. In fact, could possibly get worse, believe it or not, from a guy who had 14 targets with Stafford at the helm. I, I don't think this is going to be a heavily targeted player. And what Najee Harris does is he, he catches the football very well. Uh, obviously, I think the, the glaring thing with Harris is, is twofold. You have a rookie, number one. Number two, you have an offensive line that showed problems last year. Uh, they didn't have a ton of talent at the running back position, but the talent was good enough that you should have expected more production out of the group that was back there. Uh, James Conner went healthy. Benny Snell, uh, you know, we didn't see much of McFarlane. I would have loved to see a little more of him. Uh, the reason I'm going Najee Harris in the end is because, number one, uh, you have the Daryl Henderson uh, play with the Rams, and number two, because most of us are playing full-point PPR. Now, I do expect Harris and Amara outlined it really well that I think what you're going to get from Harris is probably closer between 55 and 75 targets, where realistically Cam Akers is going to have a hard time pressing over 40. Uh, so when you look at that, that's really going to balance out the potential touchdown games that you might get from Akers, because I do expect the Rams to spend a lot more time in the red zone than the Steelers. Uh, but those catches alone, what we've seen from Harris is that dude can catch the football. Uh, so when you're looking at these coin flip plays, targets over anything else, 
are the most consistent tiebreaker for a running back. So that's why I'm going to go Harris in a very close race between these two. And I, and I, I like wanna... the points for uh, – yeah, I'll go back to you. One, I just like the points of, hey, these guys might be close in some aspects, but here is my separating factor. And I think that's important when weighing out options that might be pretty close, uh, especially if you are, again, in a, in a redraft draft or you're looking for a trade target. I think if you are really close on two guys – identify, hey, you know what, this is a separating factor. Um, Amar, go, go ahead. So basically, um, speaking of your guy, uh, Fancy Points, Scott Bear from uh, Fancy Points this is one of my favorite metrics. He says a target um, is, what, 2.74 times as much as a carry in PPR leagues. So like a target, if you if you simply, simply just get a target, it's worth 2.74 times as much as if you get a hand up. And I find that if we're going to chase Harris because of the targets, that's a big, that's a big part of the point essentially. And that's a great point, too. Uh, we had Scott Barrett on the show. He was on the show with uh, Steffi and I. And um, it's in- interesting to look at some of his his data that he dives into because it's not just your straight advanced data. He's looking even further into separating factors once again. Um, y- yards created is another one that's on the site that they they dive into. Uh, great, great point there. Um, John, are you going to make it three for three for Najee Harris over Cam Akers, or are you going a different route for who you'd pick in 2021? I mean, part of me wants to be contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian and providing the information on that side of it, but I can't. Like, Najee, to me, is um, a a far better play, in in my opinion. Like, to me, this one isn't all that even particularly close. I know that there is a section of fantasy football Twitter that is obsessed with Cam Akers and loves him and thinks that he's going to break out in a monster way this season, but I don't see that happening for a lot of the reasons that have been outlined, but a big one being Daryl Henderson, who is a good running back when he's on the field. They showed last year that they wanted to utilize multiple running backs um, in a way that was kind of atypical for what we've seen for the Rams, because when they had Todd Gurley, it was Todd Gurley's show. He was the guy all the time getting all the work. Pittsburgh has always been that way as well. So you have two offenses that in the past, we've been able to rely on the back being a lead back by all intents and purposes, getting, you know, a large majority of the work. But I think that their plan in LA is for them to work Daryl Henderson in more than what we are going to see for any competition for carries and targets out of the running back position in Pittsburgh. Najee Harris to me is just head and shoulders above the other players on the depth chart for Pittsburgh at his position, where I think that he is going to be on the field from day one, which is always a concern with rookies, right? If you're talking about rematches, how soon are they going to get going? Like, if you were to take Cam Akers, where we're talking about taking Najee Harris last year, it would have burned you because it would have taken a long time for that to kind of start paying off your roster on a week-to-week basis. But I think that Najee is going to be the guy that comes out week one with 20 carries and five targets at least, you know, right out of the gate. And someone that I think is going to be u- utilized heavily. The offensive line concerns are a concern for a running back that can't catch the ball. But to me, the way you slow down pass rush when you feel like your offensive line is outmatched is you check it down and you throw screens and you get the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger's hands very, very quickly. And I think that Najee Harris is a benefactor to that style of play. So I think that Najee Harris, in my opinion, if he stays healthy, there's no chance that he's not a top 12 running back. Like if he's healthy with the amount of work that he's going to see, like he's a lock for being an RB one. 
So I'm going to throw this question out there and anybody can can chime in since everybody agreed on Najee Harris. And if I was picking one, I, I, I'd do the same. We, we saw in the past, <clears throat> Jonathan Taylor, I mean, James Robinson, go back further, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Todd Gurley, I'm pretty sure. All these guys, their rookie season, top 10, top 10. So uh, would you guys throw him in that mix and say, hey, I'm, I'm confident he's going to be top 10 this coming season? No. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the top ten. The only the only reason why, okay, the only reason why Najee Harris has a potential of being a top ten is because he has that like he literally is going to corner that market share of the running back touches. Like you can't say the same thing about K Makers. Like Najee Harris, essentially, if the if the Steelers run it twenty five thousand times a game, Najee's probably going to see eighteen, nineteen carries. If they, if they get like if they get ten targets, the running backs get ten targets, they'll see like at least five those targets. So essentially, K Makers is going to corner that market shares and. If we're, we're going to chase that, essentially, I feel like that's a better upside play than if we're going to chase a running back who could split carries with Sean McVay. Yeah, I, I think realistically, when you look at the running back position as a whole and you look at some of the guys who cracked the top 10 last year, it was really on the benefit, of, you know, if that's the right word, of the injuries that happened at the top, the injuries of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley obviously made room in the top 10 for maybe some subpar performances that I wouldn't like to see in the top 10. But when you look at who Najee Harris is going to be competing with for that top 10 spot, I mean, you have the obvious, you know, cream of the crop, let's just say with McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Barkley, and Zeke Elliott, I still think belongs in that group, as does Aaron Jones. Like those guys, I feel like when you talk about locks, for the top 10, those are your guys. If Nick Chubb stays healthy, he's a no-doubter for me. So really, what that's going to do is going to leave you two spots. And the people that you're looking at with Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, and even a couple guys we have coming up in CEH, Miles Sanders, and possibly even a Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, uh, That that's a big glut of players that realistically are going to be split by factors that we might not even know about right now. It's going to be a couple one-yard touchdowns. It's going to be a couple breakaway plays. It's going to be efficiency. So when you're talking about a lock for top 10, could he get there? Of course, but I'm only comfortable saying really those seven guys I mentioned at the top are locks. And then it's going to be three of the next eight guys I talked about. If you had told me lock for top 15, sure, book them. Uh, but top 10, I think when you get past that, like elite, been there, done that type group, I, I think Najee Harris doesn't go into that just for the sheer fact that he's a rookie and he goes into that second tier. But I'll tell you right now, if, if you had made this argument rather than Cam Meggs, you've made it Antonio Gibson, you would have got a different answer from me. Oh, all right. All right. John, are, are you with these guys? Uh, maybe not top 10. Maybe he is top ten, uh, maybe not a lock. What's your What's your thoughts before yeah. we move on? I mean, Jack, you a mic for not saying. Uh, oh, sorry, Jack, you a mic for not saying that Jonathan Taylor is a top five running back. Just start with that. Uh, yeah, I would love to help him with that, and we'll talk about that offline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you like that a little? I'm not sure. Just for John, come on now, you know yeah, he's that top. Was, that was lovely. Yeah, it was adorable. Um, <laughs> Pours the beer. Pours the beer. Yeah. But I will say that I think that there's a possibility that Najee Harris – there's a possibility that Najee Harris has a higher workload on the season than Jonathan Taylor does. And you know how much I love Jonathan 
Taylor. So that is within the realm of possibility with the healthy Marlon Mack coming back and with Naheem Hines there to take away some of the receiving work. Now, I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be more efficient and has a better offensive line at his disposal. So that could help balance that out and let him finish higher than Najee Harris. But saying that anyone is a lock to be a, a top 10 running back is a really challenging thing to do. But when you look at last year's top 10, some guys that I think could fall out of that this year, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, James Robinson. Those are five guys from last year. Mike Davis finished at 12 because of the CMC injury. So you've got, I think, five to six guys last year that could be outside of that. The Nick Chubb, if he didn't have to contend with Kareem Hunt, could arguably the best be the best running back in fantasy football, but he does. So those two guys carve into each other a lot, and they could both miss out on the top ten again, just like they did this, this season. So I'm not going to say that he's a lock to be in the top ten, especially as a rookie coming in, but I think that we've seen it done a lot where rookie running backs are drafted to be full points and be utilized heavily. And I think that he's going to be that. So I feel really comfortable about drafting him as my RB one in for, for redraft in a fantasy season. Like if he's a guy that I'm taking as my first running back off the board, I'd feel really confident in that. And I, and I like what we've gotten out of this discussion. I, I'm, I'm glad we spent time on this because I, I feel like there's been tons of, of cam makers hype as of late and nobody's knocking cam makers. We're just weighing it out, but there's also been a lot of camp footage of Najee Harris. And then you hear big Ben talking about him and the coaching staff. So it, it's nice to spend some time because at the end of this discussion, all three of these guys said Najee Harris, but then all three of them are also weighing out some realistic options for him. So it's not like everybody's in agreement. He's going to be the RB one, two or three this season. I, I like the fact that we can all be high on a guy, but also realistic at the same time, which we don't really see a lot all the time uh, on the, the fantasy Twitter app, but I uh, do appreciate that. Let, let's move on. Cause we got a handful of guys here. Um, these two guys on the screen. So Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. So, Miles Sanders, RB23 in 12 games this past season. CEH, RB22 in 12 games. So very close with that. And to make things even closer, Fantasy Points has them ranked for redraft. RB17, Miles Sanders. RB18, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So we'll go in reverse order, and then we'll have Mike start the next one. But, John, if you want one of these guys, who, who do you want in 2021? Is it Miles Sanders or is it CEH? Uh, it's CEH by quite a lot for me because you're looking at a running back that plays on a better offense that has a completely revamped offensive line uh, this season. Um, you're, I mean, the quarterback play is a huge difference maker. The total points that the teams are going to score, huge difference maker. The abilities that he's going to have and like his opportunities in the red zone, which he was not good at last year. He was very inefficient at the goal line in those opportunities. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that it wasn't good. So I expect him to improve in that regard coming into the season as well. But this is a running back that dealt with some injuries and, and kind of faded off into oblivion as the season went on, if you were listening to what I was saying. But this is a running back that ran for 4.4 yards per carry at 181 attempts um, in 13 games for 803 yards. Also had 36 receptions for an additional 200. I think that the touchdown numbers that he had last year, only five touchdowns from scrimmage, is far too low. I expect that number to be much higher this year. And I think that playing in a fully healthy season, I think this is a running back that is going to get a lot more work and be much more valuable, especially in the passing game, than Miles Sanders, which is an area 
where Sims continues to struggle. And the Eagles also just drafted Kenneth Gainwell to come in. And I think that he's going to carve out a really, really big role in that passing game in particular. So between these two, I think that CEH is going to have uh, higher workload, higher efficiency, and higher uh, touchdown numbers than what we saw last year. I think that the new offensive line that they just overhauled, they brought in, I think it was three new starters on the offensive line, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, is going to pay big dividends to open up more holes for him and give him more opportunities. So I'm going to take CEH uh, over Miles Sanders, where that Eagles offense is much more of a question mark to me than the Kansas City offense. So if that Eagles offense can't really get off the ground, Jalen Hurts doesn't take the massive year two jump that a lot of people are saying that he will. It could be a really long year in Philly, uh, especially for the running backwards. So I think CEH is really solid. All right, so John's picking CEH, uh, identified some some separating factors again, and then also uh, what will improve. So we'll shift over to Mike. Are you in agreement, CEH over Miles Sanders, or how do you view it for 2021? Yeah, I'm going to go CEH, but it's extremely close for me. I, I think that realistically what you're talking about at this point is volume versus efficiency. I don't think Miles Sanders gets enough credit for just how – dang efficient that guy is he only needs you know 10 to 12 touches to put up those triple digits yeah. and a touchdown i think john hit the nail on the head though with his last point uh going into the draft i would have said miles sanders but i do think that uh what gainwell does well makes me nervous we just talked about it we touched upon it with the cam Akers argument which is you know targets are are king uh mar gave a great stat on targets and now you have a guy coming in who realistically is, is his bread and butter is going to be as the receiving back as that niam hines on this yep. offense and you're already talking about volume concerns uh what i will tell you is is that if anybody mentions carry on johnson I, i'm hitting leave studio because that's nothing <laughs> for me uh be me it, it was Gainwell that that really did it for me, but but it's close. Uh, I think that honestly, with Seriani, we don't really know how the usage is going to go, and if CEH, uh, excuse me, if Miles Sanders gets a little more usage, I could see him very easily finishing ahead of CEH. So I don't think this is a foregone conclusion. But we're asking now, and all we have to go on now is realistically what we've seen in the past for usage with Miles Sanders, what we saw from the draft with their choosing of of Gainwell, which realistically could have been almost any other running back, and I probably would have been on the side of Sanders. This guy is hyper-efficient, doesn't need 20 to 25 carries. In fact, I don't want him to have that. That's, you know, that's going to be wear and tear that we don't want to see. Uh, but I agree that that's what kind of tips the scales. What I do want to see from CEH is a lot more usage in the passing game. And this goes not only to what we saw from year one, but also going back to a historic LSU team where he only caught one touchdown from Joe Barrow when he put up 60. I mean, that that's amazing to me to think about it, that you're running back, your starting running back only got one of those. Uh, so realistically, I, I don't want to say it's a make or break it year for a year two running back in terms of getting from the middle of the pack, which he was very, he was a very good running back last year with unrealistic expectations. But if he's going to become one of those guys that's going to challenge for an RB1 spot. He does need to show more in the passing game, and I hope we see that this year with CEH. So I'm going to give him a slight edge, but believe me, there's going to be no shock from me if Miles Sanders does outscore him this year. 
I like the notes too on, on Kenny Gainwell just to start because a lot of people were very high on him. And then I think like the landing spot maybe wasn't the most perfect for some people. Uh, so they haven't talked about him too, too much. But if you look at the last like two, two classes of running backs, I mean, this guy stands out for what he, what he does with the ball in the air in his hands. Um, and I think he can be involved a lot, which might, might cap the ceiling a little bit for PPR purposes. Uh, also good notes on, on CEH on, what you'd like to see in year two, because we've seen what he was as a prospect and some of his strengths in the Kansas city office being so dynamic and, and um, uh, useful as it's been, it, it would be nice to see him maximize to what sort of abilities he he's shown, uh, especially with Joe Burrow in that passing game. Um, Amar, are you going to go three for three here? Or are you going to uh, disagree with these two guys? I don't know what to do, um, but I'm going to go Miles Sanders. The reason why I'm going to go Miles Sanders is Okay, CH Miles Sanders last year, that's his worst case scenario, correct? Like, it can't get any worse than that. Like, last year was basically, like, beyond his floor. So all the, all the Eagles did was add talent, and, and, and everyone's number one wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, Devontae Smith. Um, they, um, brought in, they brought in some offensive linemen. I feel like the Eagles essentially, they tried, they tried their best to essentially increase last year's um, range of outcomes because, like, last year was their floor, essentially. With CH, the, the chief the Chiefs had a very good season offensively, but I wouldn't say anything they did last year essentially helps propel CH. So with CH, I feel like I feel like everyone thinks that he's gonna get like hundred targets because um, they lost Sammy Watkins that he's gonna be the focal point of the game. But I don't ever see a time or a period where CH is gonna be essentially the game plan or essentially he's gonna like get most of the carries, he's gonna get most of the targets unless they're ahead. And the Chiefs have I think I want to say. The third hardest, third hardest schedule in 2021, which means that their their game scripts essentially will be more pass heavy than run heavy. Which when I feel like the Miles Sanders and the Eagles, they have the second easiest schedule because they play in the NFC East. There'll be more game script dependent. They'll be more in leads. Essentially, I feel like Miles Sanders last year was his worst case scenario, and I feel like this year it, it can only get better because all of his efficiency numbers went up last year, even in a worse year, even in a worse offseason. I mean, worse offense than he'll he'll be in this year. So let, let me let me take two of those points because we're here and we're talking football, so I might as well. Uh, number one, I think pro- projecting negative game scripts for the Chiefs, despite how difficult their schedule is, is is dangerous at best. Uh, this yeah, is still the best team in football. Um, but but to talk about his worst case scenario, I, I think realistically we haven't seen that yet, and that's because they now have one of the most dynamic runners in the game under center and we've seen what that does when people are playing with Lamar Jackson when they're playing with Kyler Murray when they're playing with Cam Newton and specifically when you start going to more RPOs on the goal line and and having your quarterback take it so I'm not certain we've seen his floor because he was playing with Carson Wentz with a broken back who ain't going anywhere outside of the pocket to now Jalen Hurts, who we only saw in a couple games. So what scares me more than anything else for Miles Sanders is he might not be the best running back, running, excuse me, running player, shouldn't say running back, in his own offense. And that always gets dangerous. We've seen really talented players struggle when those start getting split. So that that's what scares me about have we seen this floor yet? And you brought up a good point. Maybe it was the worst case scenario and maybe having Jalen Hurts there brings out the best in him. 
but I'm not ready to say that yet with the rushing ability that we have in Hurts, the amount of carries that we've seen from him when he's played full games. He's never had less than eight carries. I mean, that that's a problem when he might not be the most dynamic player touching the football in the backfield. And it's interesting, too, with, uh, with Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts is that I don't have the exact numbers, but two out of the three healthy games, I think – Miles scored like 18 and then like low 20s. So he actually had two good games. But on the the same note, it's a small sample size. And the way that they game plan for Jalen Hurts in the system, it might change a lot in this coming season. So I, I think the sample size has some nice little tidbits. But at the same time, the way that they prepare for games with a, a, a quarterback who's going to start from week one, I think, is is something to really think about and factor in. So I do like those points. Let's uh so let's let's jump around for the sake of time. Usually shoot for an hour. So I had like a long list. I'm sure guys spent tons of time taking notes. So I, I apologize for that. But the I, I, descriptions I are good. I haven't even looked at it yet. So oh, you, okay. you can right. jump to wherever you want. <laughs> All right, I just can't be a face of this for my line anyway. So I'm not the only one that didn't do my homework. Thanks, Mike. Nope. We're all good, buddy. But, hey, look, look at this. I I can't even read my own handwriting, but I I took, I took some notes on here. But I want to jump around just for the, the sake of time. This one's interesting. So let's go to the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. So Terry McLaurin, man, I got graphics. They're not really graphics. Again, like screenshots from the internet. I don't own the up. I don't own the rights to to any it's of these man. pictures here. But um, yeah, so let's let's go. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver twenty this past season. Fantasy points has him as the wide receiver nine for the coming year, or Allen Robinson, who was the wide receiver nine. Fantasy points has him as the wide receiver eight for the coming year. So the interesting thing for both of these guys is they have different guys throwing them the ball. So whoever's throwing in Chicago, it's going to be different than the previous season. Same with Terry McLaurin. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick over there. Hey, you know who's man, man. I want, I want, I want. Where's I'm pointing the wrong way. I, w- I want it yeah, to be yeah. one thing, but I don't know if you can trust it. Week one, maybe week two. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah, I went on a rant with while Steffi. While we're on that, while we're on that topic, they're gonna let Andy Dalton get killed by Aaron Donald week one in prime time against LA, and then Fields will start week two. That's. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I I do want to throw this back on the screen. You have to convince one guy to come back. That's 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 another factor. If it's seven weeks of Andy Dalton, I don't know if you're going to convince that guy to come back to this system. But that's that, that's beyond that's beyond the point. Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson. I'm going to go to Mike first uh, to to keep things fair here. So uh, who do you have in 2021? Is it Terry or A Rob? It's Robinson. I, I think realistically, what we're looking for is target share. We're we're looking for a guy who has done it time and time again. Allen Robinson has been perennially underrated for his entire career. And it's about time that people start recognizing how solid and how bankable this man is. So for me, not much has changed in Chicago, not to mention, I don't actually care who's throwing the ball. That's what Allen Robinson is. He has been a wide receiver one with literally the most pathetic quarterbacks you'll ever see. So regardless who starts in Chicago, it will be the best quarterback he has ever played with. And all he does is put up 100 catches, 1,200 yards, and 6 to 10 touchdowns. That's what he does. On the flip side, what you've seen now is with Terry McLaurin, 
he was living off of his volume. And now all of a sudden with the introduction of Curtis Samuel, with Logan Thomas getting his catches, and also with what I hope is going to be an unleashed Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield, there is plenty of places where the ball is going to go. And I think with McLaurin, he is an incredibly talented guy. He is not just a volume guy, but he was certainly lifted in echelon because of the volume, because of the lack of competition. And now you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that man is just going to fling the ball wherever the hell he wants. And I love him to death, but he has nothing to lose. So I think what I'm going to go with in this particular case, maybe call it risk averse, I'm going to go with the bankable guy. That's Allen Robinson. Regardless of what happens with your quarterback controversy, and I hope for for your own sakes that it is Fields, uh, maybe try to win a couple games. But Dalton, Fields, John Hellcamp, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Allen Robinson will be a wide receiver one regardless. So give me the guy who I can bank. Uh, much like we talked about with Najee, you can't guarantee he's going to be in the top 12. Allen Robinson, you know dang right well, is going to be a wide receiver one. And Mike is putting his stamp on on that verified right there. Mm. John, are you going to be? Uh, I mean, you're a new homer. You're a new homer, but I'm you, a, you I'm still a are. Yeah. You're a new homer, but are, are you going to go with that though? Because I know a lot of people are high on on Terry McLaurin. I feel like he's been talk of the last like two weeks or so. Or are you going to stick with Mike Sanser and go with Allen Robinson? Who do you think here? I love Terry McLaurin. I think that he's wonderful. I like a lot of the points that Mike made that are going to contribute, I think, to uh, a worse script for Terry in terms of the, the target shares and the you know everything like that in that offense and the other players around. Mike forgot one of my favorite sleeper rookies, Jimmy Brown, who's going to be there as well, who I think is going to help oh, yeah. take away some targets. So, yeah, to me, it's, it's Allen Robinson, who in an offense last year where it was putrid at best, and there, was, there were literally times where he's – on the sidelines, like had run a route, an out route. He's literally jumping and waving his arms and they just had blinders on and Trubisky didn't see him or he threw it into his feet. Anyone that's going to be there, he, he still got over a hundred receptions with that quarterback play last year, which to me is just baffling. So give him the same target share, give him roughly 140 to 150 targets again with better quarterback play with an offense that should actually be able to score, you know, a little bit more points than they did last year. Whenever Justin Fields does finally take the field, whether it's week two or week six or whatever it is, Justin Fields brings a dynamic asset to that offense that Chicago has never had. The dual threat ability, his ability to extend with his, with his legs, his ability to deliver pinpoint accurate lasers 40, 50 yards down the field I think that we're going to see more big plays out of Allen Robinson instead of just the the volume play. Instead of just being peppered with 8 to 12 yard, you know, routes. When those plays do break down, when Justin Fields is able to scramble out, we're going to be able to see some of these big chunk plays contributing to Allen Robinson's overall performance on the year as well where he's going to get some of those big play touchdowns, those 40 yard, you know, touchdowns, things like that on top of the big volume that I expect him to have. So, yeah, To me, it's like Allen Robinson is very, very similar in my mind to Keenan Allen. They both are just ridiculously disrespected. They are studs. They show up every single year. They're going to give you great volume. 
roughly 1,200 yards, roughly six to eight touchdowns, just like Mike said, and that's where he's going to fall. But there's a possibility that we see a, a higher ceiling to Allen Robinson that we've ever seen with the contribution of better quarterback play. And that has me really excited. So I think that you have a safer floor with Allen Robinson, and I would argue that you have a higher ceiling as well in comparison to what Terry McLaurin brings. All right, so a, a mix between the two answers of guaranteed volume and maybe the potential for even bigger plays than in the past. Uh, both guys signing with Allen Robinson. Amar, are you, you going to disagree with these guys again, or are you going to make a three for three? Oh, he says yes. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Because we, need, we, need, we need some sort of mix. We need some sort of mix sometimes. Okay. So Mike said that Al Robinson was not – or that Terry McLaurin was a target hog, and that's the reason why he um, went crazy. John said that um, because it's going to be better, it's going to be because of better quarterback play. That's actually Al Robinson will, will be better. Do we not for, do we not remember who was the Washington Redskins football uh, or Washington football team's quarterback last year? It was like mm-hmm. Alex Smith on one leg. Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin saw 134 targets. Al Robinson saw 153 targets. Terry McLaurin finished as, as wide receiver 21, and Alex Smith was, was wide receiver 16. Devontae Parker, when he went crazy with Al Robinson, I mean. Like, when the Bucs Parker went crazy with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he ended up as a, the 10th overall wide receiver, 128 targets, 1,200 yards. If we think Curtis Samuel's offense is going to be better for Terry McLaurin, if we think Curtis Samuel's going to come in, Diamond Brown's going to come in, Antonio Gibson's going to come in, and they're going to essentially be good for this offense and Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be fun, that's only going to help Terry McLaurin's efficiency because last year he was still very efficient, even though he only got 134 targets from only Alex Smith. Like, yeah, he got pepper with targets. Um... But his targets was still twenty less than Al Robinson of last year. So Al Robinson got buoyed by by the um, by, by the volume. But the one thing I want to say is like we're we're really big on Al Robinson getting a QB upgrade. But Terry McLaurin is getting just as much of a QB upgrade as Al Robinson is. And Justin Fields is a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks really aren't that good for wide receivers in their first year. That's something that people forget. Is like we all expect rookie quarterbacks to come in and just like light the field on fire. But usually that's not the case. So Aaron Robson in 2019 got 151 targets. In 2020 got 153 targets. Do we see him getting more than 150 targets again in 2021 with Andy Dalton, um, Justin Fields, more conservative game plan, essentially David Montgomery, three corner there. And then we're, we're expecting this jump from Darnell Mooney too. That's just something I want to put out there. It's not – I'm not saying that Aaron Robson is going to stink or anything, but I'm just saying like – I think we're not we're not we're we're very optimistic for Al Robinson because it's a QB upgrade. We've all been wanting it, which I agree with. But one thing I just want to say is like maybe in our range of outcomes, we don't see the downside as much as we see the upside. So I want to add on one thing there. While we're talking mm-hmm. about game planning and game script and things of that nature, when you have the defense, especially the defensive front seven that Washington has, playing in a division where the rest of the, the division has pretty, you know decent to bad offensive lines like Dallas is good when they're healthy but health is a big question mark there Philly's offensive line was decimated last year and is you know question marks all over the place New York Giants are you know middle of the road offensive line as well when you have the front seven that Washington has and you have the defense that is capable of literally being like top three defensive unit in the NFL like they're that good they're that scary up front in particular do you think that you want your quarterback to be airmailing it all over the field? Or do you think that you want to rely on your defense and tell Ryan Fitzpatrick, we need you to be a game manager. 
get us some points, but don't take big risks because our defense is going to hold the opponents to 10 to 14 points a game. So I think, Oh, sorry. I think that they're going to, I think that they're going to ask Ryan Fitzpatrick to, to rein it in a little bit. I don't think this is going to be the crazy high flying Ryan Fitzpatrick YOLOing it all over the field. And if it is, then I think it's going to get them in some trouble. I think that it's not going to go well for Fitzpatrick when he does that. Like I love that about Fitz. I love when he brings that to the field. It's entertaining as hell. It's great for fantasy football. But from a reality standpoint, you're looking at a veteran one-year bridge that they're hoping can get them into the playoffs on the back of their defense. And I think that we're not going to see him washing it all over the field. They're not going to be asking him to do too much. So I'll I'll just say that if they brought Fitzpatrick in to be a game manager, the general manager should be fired. Do you legitimately? Yeah, one hundred percent. General managers should be fired, anyways. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, guys are coming for staff now, man. Point. But but everyone, but every single staff of Fitzpatrick has been in has been a yellow ball. Like that man does not come in and say, "Yo, I'm gonna be a game manager." That man comes in and says, "I'm gonna he's fuck also shit up." I'm sorry. These are labeled. They're explicit. It's all good. It's all good. You're fine. It's good. He's yeah. never had the defense that he's had as well. I don't think that he feels. Yeah, like but defenses, but de- but, but the defenses, the defenses carry over their elite units from previous years. Like I, I think I've seen research on it, and like there's never been a thing like for defenses to like the Chicago Bears when they had a great defense in 28 in 2019, they couldn't carry it over to 2020. Like defenses, the only reason why the Washington defense was really good was because they didn't have that many injuries. Like if you're not gonna have that same injury look again, um, the defense they they gotta regress some. There's gonna be some aggression. <laughs> so I'm thinking like if Patrick doesn't come in and basically if like he doesn't have to play Yola ball, but if Terry McLaurin is gonna get buoyed by efficiency because other players are gonna be able to make plays, then I think we should we should look towards there because like I think Alraps is going. Uh, I want to say six picks ahead of Terry McLaurin. If I'm not wrong, um, and if that's the case, you're getting the opportunity that's cost while still being probably an, pretty accurate. So like you're still getting you're still getting a good opportunity cost while also being while also being into a, a good off like they could be a they could be an average to above average offense. The Bears can we say that about them? Do you think like how good do you think the Bears offense is going to be for them to keep keep plays on the field for their defense to be good this year because they lost a lot of players from last year's defense. So like that's that's a lot of things that I, that I was thinking about when I looked at the show sheet. So yeah, I, I will I think, make you I will make you a beer bet. That down, down. Like you appear, but the Chicago, write this down. Bears offense scores more total points this season than the Washington football, like real life points. That the the Chicago Bears offense, you better better take that. Down, down, down. So, this is so what it's so what's the bet? What's the official bet here? What's the bet? It's gotta be recorded. We're live, we're live. Does it matter like if Justin Fields or Andy Dalton play? Like, are you getting that stipulation or just total? It doesn't matter. Let's let's do um, let's do Fields to play at least ten games. Okay, I know a bar. I know a a bar we're going to as well when I get this. Yeah, we got. I'm I'm coming too. I'm coming too. (laughs) Come on, Nick. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there. He's in my neck of the woods. We've been talking about it, but there's a couple places that are both like close by for both of us. We gotta, we gotta make that happen regardless. But yeah, uh, yeah, down. down. All right, all right. So we got the we got the official bet right now. Uh, It's recorded live, so it's not going anywhere. It'll be on the podcast too. Um, I want to go. I want to get into one more positional battle here. Uh, See your guys' opinion. Let's go to a quarterback, uh, player A or player B, and then we'll just end up finishing the the podcast going through the rest of the list and you guys will just give me your one word answer for who it is. 
So Come on, we gotta do CD Lamb and Mike Evans. We have to do that. Yeah, I, I don't. That. I'm not. I'm not great with one word, but I'll try. <laughs> no, all right, all right, all right. Let, let, let's 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 get these two because these two have uh, <laughs> these two guys have undergone a bunch of changes in their systems. Right, Ryan Tannehill adds Julio Jones uh, after losing Corey Davis. Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford is not a lion anymore. He's on the Rams, so he has uh, some upgrades there as well. Uh, if we look at fantasy points, they have Tannehill as the QB9 for the season and Matthew Stafford as the QB10. Not sure if it's that close for you guys or what the case is, but Amari, you can start things off here. Uh, is it for you? Is it is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it Matthew Stafford? I mean, we've been waiting for Sean McVay to get a quarterback. We've been waiting for Stafford to get an offensive coordinator. And the one year we get him, that we get that marriage, everyone's like, "No, I don't want Stafford." And I'm like, "What? That makes zero sense." Like the one, the one thing that we all wanted is having. But, I, but to answer your question, I would go Stafford. Um, I would, the reason I would go Stafford is because I trust Sean McVay. I don't know. Okay, um, Arthur, Arthur Smith left. Is it Shane Waldron that's the offensive coordinator in Tennessee? I forget. Does anyone know the top of their head? Uh, Shane Waldron is now the offensive coordinator. Uh, Seahawks. For Seattle. Sorry, 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 sorry. So who's Tennessee? Because I don't he know. Who's the passing game coordinator? Because I was looking at the Tennessee, the Tennessee offensive coordinator, and I know he came from the um, – I forget what system he came from, but it was it was really run-heavy system. Um, his passing his passing rate over expectation, well, I think one, I want to say was 26th. Um, so I don't think it bodes well for, for uh, Tennessee because essentially all I think is – Derek Henry is going to be the game plan essentially. Like um, Ben Gretsch, who I, I love Ben Gretsch. He's like one of my favorite analysts. He talks about like identity back, and identity back essentially is like talking about like if this if this running back went down, that entire offense would change. Like that offense would not be the same. The offense would not be able to sustain plays. That offense wouldn't be able to stay on the field. And I feel like Tannehill, he's a byproduct of essentially how good Derek Henry is. And I feel like Stafford can do the Stafford can essentially take over games on his own while Tannehill doesn't have that ability. So Tennessee promoted yep. their tight ends coach, Todd Downing, to be their offensive coordinator after their OC left to be the uh, coach for – or to be yeah, the I looked up, for yeah. Atlanta. Because I looked it up because I was really big on I.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and I was like, okay, it's great. This is like going to be a passing, like, let's target all the Tennessee players. But then I looked up the offensive coordinator. He came from a background where essentially – He's a, he's a, he's got a tutelage of essentially just being a run heavy offensive coordinator or being a run heavy coach essentially. Interesting, interesting, Mike. Yeah, is it Matthew uh, Stafford or Ryan Tannehill for you? I, it it it's it's as close as you're going to get. I I don't really care. Everything's close it. for Mike. Everything's close for Mike. I I, I like to like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I hope they all have great years. I hope they <laughs> I enjoy their time. Mike Mike um, says both. He's like both. Yeah, both, both, both of them are great. Both, both. Uh, I'll take them both. <laughs> Mike starts, Mike starts every conversation with a It's close. It's close. It's close. It's a close yeah. one. This, this close. Edges, this MF hedges every single tape that he gives. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to pick Stafford, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's Tannehill at the oh. end of the year. Mike, is this an ac accurate impression or, or is he off? 100%. 100%. Wow. Okay, so let's try this again. All right, so the beers are going to be trash <laughs> this year, but I'm still going out. Oh, no, no, no. All right, let, let's go. Let's go. Let's go score Sherth here. Let's do this. Uh, it's going to be Stafford. We've already covered it's going to be Stafford. The cost of acquisition is going to have me going Tannehill. 
because people are still sleeping on him. But Stafford is going to be the guy that you want. He's going to have the weapons you need. He's going to have the offense coordinator you need. He's even going to make that trash tight end look halfway decent. So it's Stafford by a considerable margin in terms of statistics. What makes them close is still the cost of acquisition for Tannehill and startup is about two to three rounds later. So realistically, I'm going to take have Tannehill on more rosters just because the right now the ADP has not caught up to the Julio Jones acquisition. And from what I'm seeing, Stafford's been going much higher on the board than I would even bother taking a quarterback. The only thing that could make this different is the injury. Good. Wait, is it, are we always talking about cost? Higher than Tammy? Stafford's been going higher than Tanny for really? for months now. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Let me check this out. I don't know. Go ahead, check, check it out. Go ahead and look. You know, have look like on four the, different different sources going look, on. Look, look on the interwebs and and find out Mike's right again. Uh, but while they're while they're looking, <laughs> uh, but you can't pick a side. You're right, but you yeah. can't pick a side. Well, while they're looking, <laughs> no, it, I mean, Tennessee pros, Tennessee pros says you're wrong. By the way, Tanny's going to give me thirteen. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't ask fantasy pros. I don't care what they think. Oh, I the asked the you said the interwebs. Yeah. yeah, did you type into Google, is Stafford going <laughs> higher than Tannehill? Because the first response is yes. So, like I was saying. <laughs> I had to type in the, my social to the website I just went to. I don't know if that's it. Just says, it just says yes. Yes, <laughs> yes he is. Um, no, but I, 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 think I was waiting for that to be like a website. That's just a giant green sign. It will be after this show, just because you guys are being. It's, it's actually Mike's thing. website. <laughs> Mike's not wow. close. Yeah, yeah the, the only thing that worries me about Stafford check is, that, is check that IP address. It's coming from Mike's mom's basement. <laughs> it is my mom's basement, is where all the good fantasy information comes from. <laughs> John, is it is it three for three for Stafford, or or are you going Tannehill? Yeah. This is actually a. Uh, I'm. I'm sorry that I totally sabotaged that, Mike. I didn't let you talk like. No, go ahead. Game. If you I'm if sorry. you say it's close, I swear I'm. I'm finding a way to kick you out of a stream that's not even mine. Like I am looking it's, for a way to boot you from close. a stream. Of- It'll be like those movies. Like I hacked the it's system. Close. I'm in. <laughs> and now it's just Mike's face. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick one of the two, I. I yeah, um, this is actually a pretty – it is close. It's actually a pretty new development for me where I think that I would take Stafford over Tannehill because Tanny is someone that I constantly love as being a value quarterback. In the last couple of years, he's been gold uh, since coming over to Tennessee. I love the uh, Julio acquisition, obviously, is wonderful for him. Um, but Stafford in a Sean McVay offense, like Amir was saying, you got a guy that has 5,000-yard potential. In, in that offense. Like, if he goes for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, I would not be shocked at all in, in this offense. Like, he's gonna he's in a gold mine of an offense. He's got talent around him at all positions, the running back position. The wide receiver position is probably the most disrespected, great wide receiver group in the NFL with Bobby Trees and Cooper Cup. Love both of them. Um, I think it's the best skill position group as a whole that Stafford has ever played with. Obviously, Calvin Johnson on his own is, you know, a god of football. But as a total group, I think that this group that he has, plus the mind of Sean McVay, is a fascinating one. And I think that they're going to be putting up points left and right. I think you're finally going to get, like, Sean McVay unleashed because he doesn't have a quarterback with arm limitations 
because Stafford has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Stafford just because I think that they're going to play less conservatively than Tennessee. Well, even though Tennessee is stacked with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they still want to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry 300 times a season. So Tannehill's going to be great, and he's going to be awesome. But the, Tannehill was a quarterback that last year you were able to get it like, I don't know, I'm trying to remember, QB 18, QB 20 prices, something like that. But it's caught up, right? Like everyone's starting to catch up to the fact that he's actually good and he's being treated as either a back-end QB 1 or a high QB 2 now so him being that like value quarterback play that you love isn't really a thing anymore he's now kind of priced accurately so if you're looking for value i think that i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with stafford all right and so, some people have uh, I, i've saw on a few sites posting like predictions that few people have him as a dark horse mvp this year i don't know if we can be yeah isn't his odds isn't his odds like 12 to 1 right now they, it's been increasing. I feel like I feel like I I'm saw a decent amount of people that. saying that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. At one, point, at one point with the Lions, he was like thirty to one, then he got traded. Then anyone that's like getting twelve to one. Interesting. Wild. Right. Hey, let, let's let's do a fire round. We're just gonna go through because we're about to hit the hour mark. So um, I'm just gonna read it off. Do we? Do you guys prefer an order? I'll let you guys call out if if, no, if you want to be in a certain no, spot. I don't. All right. All right. Anyway, all right. So. <laughs> all right so i'll read the two you guys tell me who you take i'm gonna write these down so i have for later all right so miles gaskin or javante williams amar we'll go amar mike john i'll take gaskin right. so it's close but uh, no it's not uh, close it's not close at all it's gaskin we got two gaskins and, and john um i'll go javante all right, all right. Why is that going to get the share? He's not going to get it until like the second half of the season. What are you doing? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll go reverse order now. We have Josh Jacobs or Chris Carson. We'll start with John, Mike, Amar. Anybody other than Josh Jacobs? That is always the correct answer. I didn't even know who the second guy was. No, I was already picking him. Carson. <laughs> we got, so we got two Carson. Not close. All three, three for three, Carson. Yeah. Three for three. You could have said Kenyon Drake, and I would have gone not Josh Jacobs. Oh, my <laughs> oh, man. oh boy! I think, you, I think you said something about that earlier today. I yeah. thought I saw that. Suck on that, oh, haters! <laughs> and then, then you got a couple people in their work office that are just like shaking, like they have Angry. to be excused. Hey, Nick, Nick, <laughs> when, when you're editing, I need you to clip out his "suck on this haters" that he just said. I need you to to clip that out as a video, and I'm all right. All right, that's just gonna. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Just all the time, all the time. Suck on that, haters. In response to just everything. It doesn't even have to make it makes sense. It'll just be the response to everything. Um, right. All right. We'll go with Mike, then John, then Amar. Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf? Jefferson. Easy money. Yeah, I'll go Jefferson. Easy money. Same? Same? Yeah, Jefferson. All three? Sure. All right. All right. All right, so Amar, you wanted this to be a conversation, but we, we got to fly through it. But uh, C.D. Lamb or Mike Evans? C.D. Lamb, there's no conversation. Was next, Mike Evans. Damn. Oh, oh, yeah. There is a really? conversation, but maybe, maybe for what? another time. 
He said for one year. He's a troll. He's a troll account. He's a troll now. This is I'm 2021. Sorry. This is I'm 2021. Sorry. I'll, I'll take the guy who's actually done something in the NFL, but keep talking. <laughs> Oh. oh boy! Oh. <laughs> I said it. Suck on that, Amar. Suck on that, Aiders. I'm sorry. That. Did I'll you look it. at the 13 touchdowns last year? You will hope a slot receiver can get half that. Move on, Mike oh Evans. Oh my god! <laughs> John, uh, John, I'll go. I'll go. CD Lamb, and that CD Lamb has more receiving touchdowns this year than Mike Evans. Beer bet. Oh. Beer bet that bitch. Oh. Beer yeah, make, bet. Make this a second one. We need a beer bet with with Mike now too. I'll bet you a six-pack over a single on that one. That's ridiculous. (laughs) All right. Reverse order. You're a hater, Mike. You're a hater. John, Mike, Amar, the next one, we got Jerry, Judy, or Devonta Smith? Former teammates. Ooh. um, I like that one. Hmm. I will go with Devonta. I'll go Smith. Judy, not close. Yeah, I'm I'm with Judy. All right, we'll go with Mike, John, Amar. Is it Noah Fant or Dallas Godert? No offense. Got, Goddard, Goddard. Goddard, Godert. Sorry. There we go, Goddard. God, it Goddard. doesn't matter. It's Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, who was yours, Amar? Noah Fant. All right, all right. Fant. All right. You the, can't the, say it like you're an artist. It just I know this guy. This guy's just trying to throw some spice yeah. on the podcast here. Go to Tar like, J afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, bat, battle the, bougie, uh, the, okay? the 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 tight end Smiths. We got Irv Smith or Johnny Smith, and we'll just uh, we'll go with John, John, Mike, Amar, Johnny. That's no, he's saying he's saying John. John, it's your turn. Like you got to go, John. Yeah, I know. John, yeah. Go. That's you when you John say Irv. <laughs> yeah. So he said no, no. John, then you say Irv, so you can be correct about no. one thing tonight. It's Irv Smith. <laughs> oh man, this this podcast, this podcast is spiced. So he said, uh, "Mice Irv, Amar, you got to break the tie here. What is it?" Yeah, I gotta go Irv, even though I hate both of them. Dang, I love that Mike and I are like opposite on every single one of these. This is great. <laughs> It's it's because of the not it's not close debate. You just went, you just the, the not close comes in there. Yeah, yeah. He, he, threw, he threw a punch and I just went straight combos after that. <laughs> boom, boom. All right, last, All last one. Sons and four. John sucker punched me. That was like sons and four. <laughs> oh, what a reference! What a reference! CD Lamb and four. You, just a quick side note: Did you guys see the the other guy got interviewed? Oh, that was yeah, ridiculous. And he yeah, said, I didn't get hit at all. I never got touched. I said, bro, my, you got walks. Never, never in my <laughs> life would I do an interview after I got wrecked. Just like wrecked on video. I wouldn't no. why would you have an interview after that? There's no reason. I have no idea. Dude, he was trying to get he was just trying to get famous. So but Nick, he got you just walked. got your ass kicked on national TV. What's your response? <laughs> yeah, well, he, he tried to grab my chain. He tried to grab my chain. And then he yeah. hit me six times in the face, but I'm I'm good. Oh, I'm so good. I'm good. Bro, bro, he goes, he goes, okay. he goes, he goes, I got I got black eyes because he scratched me. You do not get black eyes because someone scratches you, bro. You get black eyes because you got knocked out. <laughs> Man, that was bad. That was bad. Oh, All right, bad, la- la- last one. Last one. We'll go Lamar, Mike, John. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, 2021. Ooh, well, Kyler. I think I think he he could be QB one overall this year. Kyler. John's doing fuck with you now. He already knows the answer. He's doing fuck with yeah, you. Yeah, Lamar, let's do it. 
Oh my god. Why? Why? All right. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. Some different different answers on here. All right. Again, appreciate all three of you guys coming back on the podcast. And uh we had a lot of laughs. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna have to clip a lot of this shit. It was good. It was good. It was great. Um, I want to make sure before we close things out, can you remind everybody where to find you? Because it'll be on iTunes and Spotify, all that good (laughs) stuff. So Amar, where can we find you? And if you want to plug anything else as we close things out. So you can find me on Twitter at A-M-R-G-A-A-B-R. And then you can also find me at rotaviz.com. And then also my new website. I mean, my new site, sorry, 44.com. All right. And Mike? Uh, you can find me at Dynasty Beard. And, uh, you know, I write for It took John a minute there. He just he was just staring at the screen. <laughs> you can find me at Daddy Show awesome. and all my links oh. are there. Just check me out there. Oh, <laughs> Bro, the Twitter people are gonna come after John tonight. It's gonna be Daddy's Show. Oh man, <laughs> Jesus, John, John, where can we find you, man? Uh, Daddy's I'm Home. Twitter at Daddy's Home FF. Um, <laughs> Nah, I'm at John Helmkamp. Uh out with Deadspin. Feel free to come work over there if you want just mixed bag of sports commentary. That's pretty much what I do. Uh, Twitter's where you can find most of my fantasy football content. Feel free to uh, join me over there. Awesome. And again, thank you guys for all coming out at the same time. Great episode. Uh, thank everybody. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast, either live or uh, at home in the car, wherever the case is. Uh, Thursday, I'll be live here with Steffi Smalls on our Script Two Ships show. Look forward to that. We have some mailbag questions and then some other topics, so that should be good as well. Uh, Everybody have a nice night. Peace.